We're back with another episode of the Black Box Podcast. I'm your host, Ahmed. And I'm your host, John. And like always, back with another interview. This time is with uh, my good, I guess, family friend. And he was also my boss at one point, a coach to me at one point. His name's uh, Vincent Zicalola. He's an owner of a local business in my area, 845 Services. It's like landscape design and uh, outdoor architecture. I think that's what you call it. Uh, landscape architecture but yeah we basically go into him starting his business around 2008 2007 during that time when it was really hard to you know get up on your feet during a depression but would you call it a depression or a recession uh no it was a great recession great recession oh okay um but yeah same thing and then we kind of just walk through chronologically a little bit how his business grew and what points and what decisions he made along the way really moved the needle and pushed him to the next level. And then we also just go over general ideas of like being mentally tough, time management, balancing things, learning to adapt and and becoming a father too. Becoming a father. Yeah. Because congrats again. And over the past year, uh, back in 2021, it hasn't been a full year yet. He, uh, yeah. Brought in a wonderful boy. And uh, yeah, no, I think it's a good feel good episode, go over good memories, learn a bunch of stuff about, you know, like you don't even necessarily have to apply it to you starting a business on your own, but just managing parts of your life and taking control of things. And yeah, he, he was, he's a great guy and he was a great speaker. So this is going to be a good one. Yeah. I think we're going to, we're planning to have him back on uh, a few more times at least just because he knows how to have a good conversation just be clearly articulate what he's saying and definitely think it'll be a good one maybe uh maybe we'll talk about how the knicks are Hey guys, I'm Vinny Zicalella. I'm president of 845 Services, a small little local landscape company here in Brewster, New York. Um, John actually worked for me for a little bit while he was in high school. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. It was fun. It, was, no, it was fun. Yeah. So. I, I learned a lot. Taught me like hard work, the value of a dollar, you know, before that I didn't really understand yeah, what it took. All those long days. You know, yeah, long days. You're trying to go to the beach and hang out with your friends, and I'm like, "Yeah, now get your butt to work." <laughs> yeah, but that was my first like taste of sacrifice, and I no, feel like I that know. is only like that only pushed me more towards this direction because now that's something I embrace. No, and you were young, and you know we loved to, to you know bust your chops and stuff like that, and it was fun. But you know, knowing your dad too, like that was also a great part of it because you know you know having that relationship I have with your dad, you know, someone who I really you know look up to. Um, you know, and then having you come work for me and then, you know, just also watching you grow too, um, just from our personal relationship from coaching you in basketball and, um, you know, watching you grow and then come work for me and then come play on our men's league team. Yeah. And like it was, you know, it's full circle. We've known you for a long time and it's just been awesome. Well, yeah, I feel like some of the things that maybe my dad couldn't teach me or the angle that he would try to approach it would be different. So he, sometimes you guys would talk. And yeah. he would have you like talk to, talk to me through you. 
Yeah. And you can kind of, of like, yeah, give me it's a lesson to... or something from some, because coming from someone else, you'll hear it differently. Coming from yeah, your parents. Especially like as a young man, you know, and just from myself too, like a lot of things that I would normally brush off, not listen to, take advice as being younger. Um, that's just part of being young and just naive. You know, a lot of people would always try to instill their wisdom on you. And a lot of guys that are young and hot-headed like myself, I was. I'm not going to lie to you. I was very cocky when I was younger. Um, still somewhat cocky, but to the point where it's just, you know, yeah, just as I was growing up and, you know, young, I started this business very, very young. Um, I started in 2007. Um, Were you 22? I was 20. I or just older. turned 21. And then I got incorporated uh, February of 2000 and 2007. So this year is our 15th year in business. But what I was getting to was when I was younger, you know, and any young man there, you know, you're a know-it-all. Um, yeah. <laughs> you got to learn how to take constructive criticism. But like really take it and internalize like, yeah, it. Yeah, really take it. And the problem I had when I was younger is anybody that tried to tell me uh, how to run my business, give me advice. I, the mindset I had was just, I didn't Let me listen. do my thing. Yeah. I, I wanted to do my own thing. And there's a lot of things that has happened over the last, I want to say 10 years of business that if I had known then what I know now and listened to certain people, um, yeah. I may have had opportunities sooner than later. And you could have um, maybe scaled up quicker than you did. It's but. not, you know, and scaling up is a, is a hard thing because, you know, remember when you're, when you're in high school and you're a junior and you're trying to figure out the path you want to take, uh, for, you know, your career and what you want to do and what college you want to go to, what do you want your major to be in? Um, I'm a firm believer of kids, you know, should go into trades, consider trades, um, learn a trade as a backup because a lot of, a lot of young kids, like I, I was, I was, I knew what I wanted to do when I was in high school. I I'm doing what I wanted to do since, you know, I went to high school, um, went to BOCES in Northern Westchester for heating and air conditioning, always wanted to do constructive construction. Um, a, a lot of kids though, at that age, don't know what they want to do. Mm -hmm. So, and they get thrown into a college and they have to pick a degree. And sometimes they, you know, will go to the first year of college and say, Oh, I don't, I don't want to be a history teacher anymore. I don't, I don't want to do this history degree. Maybe I want to be a, an RN. Maybe I want to be uh, an English teacher. And then four years goes by with the snap of a finger and you're out and you have to pay that back. And scaling a business is very, very similar to that. You get, you get started, you open up your business. You know, for me, it was landscaping construction. The problem I had was I had a certain amount of money saved up in the beginning and I bought, you know, a lot of equipment and things to start. And the problem you have with when you start a business like mine is you're only as good as the tools and equipment that you have. So when I was younger, I did a lot of things by hand. Yeah, that's if, like if you don't have the certain type of equipment, you can't do that job. Yeah, you know, a lot of jobs that would take me two days to complete where it could have taken 30 minutes with the proper equipment. And that's all part of growth. You know, in this country, it's easy for you to go get a loan and go to school and graduate with all this debt. It's not easy to start a business. Exactly. So if you start a business and you need capital, <laughs> I remember going into my bank and they laughed at me. They laughed at me for the first five or six years in business. 
And, Damn. you know, you can go get a school loan, but you can't get like a, you know, small little loan to, you know, gain the credit of your business. Um, yep. they, they don't, they don't want to see you. They don't want to talk to you. They don't, they don't even, they laugh at you. No. And it's, you know, and yes, you have to build business credit. You have to show that you're going to be in business, you know, for over five or six years before they even consider you. And I think I got my first business credit card five or six years into it. And it was a capital one card. And I remember it had like a thousand dollar credit limit on it. And I thought it was the greatest thing. Cause I would pull out the credit card at like, you know, 23, 24 years old. And it would say, Eight four five services, Vincent Zicalella, and I thought it was yeah. the coolest thing. Yeah, that, that, I feel like that would be so such a flex at, at our age, John. <laughs> well, I had an L. I mean, this is the one we have for the podcast. It's the third LLC I've had. My first one, I did get credit card for it because it was. Uh, I was. I don't know if any of you knew this either. I was doing Uber at one point just because yeah. I had so much time. I was just like I'm bored in uh, like the first summer of the pandemic when things were considered okay um but i did open llc for that so i could get all the write-offs for the gas and things i would buy and then i put everything on the credit card and then paid it off through the business checking but it definitely feels cool when i got that like it had the llc name on it it's really cool it's a a good feeling you know it's it's a good feeling we just opened one up for the podcast so we'll have to actually uh the next thing is just open the bank account yeah that's awesome we get debit cards at least at that point young yeah, you start with the debit cards and you know you can prove like what i used to have to do when i first started was any personal credit card that i had i had to use on the business um and i had to pay it back through my business checking account and i would have to give all of those statements every month to my accountant yeah and he'd have to log all those transactions to what they were for uh you know materials entertainment fuel you know all those good things. Um, and it was tough and, um, you know, you gotta get, you gotta get going. You gotta feel like, push through. It's, t- it's just really yeah. tough. It's hard. Well, I feel like I'm, the way I'm that you tired. would tell me about it, tell me stories. It was like, you pretty much just ate shit for a long time. Then all of a sudden you started to build the momentum, which also, it feels like at the point that I started to help come on and help you those summers is when you started to get really busy and like kind of shift the type of work you were doing out of just, um, so that's what happened. Like finally taking advice from other people. I just remember, um, you know, my thing was I needed the equipment. I needed the equipment. I had to get the equipment and I wanted to get the equipment so that I could still do the physical labor. You know, there's always the office support and, you know, in times like the technology today, you can get an email to your phone. And I always had that, you know, and there's Facebook, Instagram, and, you know, all the social media that popped up after the fact, like you're always in contact with your clients. They're always seeing things. Um, so when you're, when you're getting going, the greatest advice that, you know, one of my friends told me was you have to invest in the people that work for you. And, you know, when I invested in my first full-time employee, that was actually Mario. Mm -hmm. And I remember when Mario came to me, he, um, left his other job. And he came to me and he asked me for full time. And Mario was always working for me part time on Saturdays. Uh, What he would do for me on Saturdays was he would, you know, split all my wood, you know, get all the firewood situated. um, And he just worked on Saturdays for cash. And when he wanted extra money, he would work on Sundays too. The guy was an absolute monster. He was Mario's a goat. (laughs) Yeah, he's just, he's awesome. He's one of the greatest guys. He's been with me since day one. You know, and when I had, you know, big jobs during the week, 
um, you know, I would ask my friends here and there to come in and help, you know, Chris Santos that, you know, he would come and help my friend Dario, you know, you remember Dario. Um, yeah. they would all come in, you know, during a week and help me when I had a job, but I started the company with one pickup truck, one trailer, one lawnmower, one string trimmer, one backpack blower. And I worked that truck to death. I did everything with that setup and any other job that I had to do other than mowing a lawn, you know, I, I did by hand, all the mulching, the weeding, the pruning, you know, digging yep. trenches for drainage. It was terrible. And I, I remember I was by myself and I look back at it and I never, you know, I going out like, yeah. hands, you know, at my night, I never had money. I never had money. And I was always wondering why, why do I not have any money? And you, you realize that you want to get the client, you want to get the job, and then you go out and you do it and you rush to go out and do it. You don't ever think about getting paid for it. And that was a problem I had. There was two problems I had, getting paid on time. And instead of investing in equipment, I should have invested 50% in the equipment that I wanted and 50% into an employee. Because once I finally started to trust and uh, invest in employees, that's like when you came along, that's when the business took off. I always want to do everything myself. You know, yeah. I thought about all the, you know, got to do it myself, but. Well, this, being a business owner, you have to kind of shift your mindset past like an individual time. contributor. You have to. All the time. Yeah. You no. Know, and I remember. Cause then I you got to think started. like, how can I leverage, like, you know, Mario has this certain skill set and he has strengths and weaknesses. How can I leverage these against what maybe John's are, or, you know, whoever all else is on your team. You have yeah. to do what, you know, you have to put your people in positions to succeed because if they don't succeed, you don't succeed. And you got to always give them jobs that they're going to want to do. And you got to want to do those jobs too. And you can't send somebody that, you know, is not going to do anything. You know, you don't want to send somebody to do something that you wouldn't do yourself. That's you know, a good that's point. Yep. Thing too. Wow. Um, but it's, was it, it, was a, it was a big adjustment. It was hard, you know. And then when you look back to when like social media peaked. And like, I remember taking out yellow book ads. You know, the, the biggest thing was the phone yeah. book. And, there was colored, you know, phone book ads. And I remember sitting down at the Dunkin' Donuts in Patterson, New York with this guy from Yellow Book. Um, and you were picking out where you go, what page you were going to put it on. It was $4,800. The guy got me for $4,800. And every time I obtained a new client from that time on, I would say, hey, where did you find us? Oh, it was always a referral from someone else. I lit $4,800 on fire, Yeah, yellow book and, and all that stuff. Well, so I mean, we created a website. I remember my first website was made by my friend, Fernie. Uh, my friend, Alex redid it. And I had uh, one of our other mutual friends, Roma, redo the current website, which is to this point on. But then I think like, you'll know better than me. When did social media really take off when I started the adding and, you know, the ads? Uh, were, probably like 2012, 2013 ish. So when, when that happened, I just remember I got my first iPhone. Maybe 2015. Yeah. It really was like, well, cause it was like a, like a few years, but it before there was one point when social media was just like posting statuses and then it became, all right, this is really I remember, an ad it was like, Oh, look at my, look at my dinner. Well, oh, look at, look yeah. at me at the ball game. You know, like I remember when you, started posting like a story every day, you know, like you would always get us on your story all the time. And that's what I'm, you know, that's what changed everything. Cause every, every new customer we have, not, I would say 90% of them we get from social media. And I would always do certain posts at certain times, 8am around lunchtime, one, two o'clock. 
and then 4 to 5 p.m. at night because people are scrolling in the morning. You wanted to hit their news feeds, you know, or their activity bars at, you know, between 8 and 10. So the first post between 8 and 10. The second post would be around lunchtime because a lot of guys take breaks around 1, 2 o'clock. So you want to post to hit them there. And then you want them to get hit, you know, at night, dinner time when they're sitting down, you know, having a meal with their family, just relaxing, digesting their dinner. And you want it to hit the newsfeed after or when they get in bed at eight o'clock at night and they sign on to their Facebook at the last time. You want it to always be in their newsfeed. Yeah. So like if you look at my social media right now, I'm constantly pumping targeted advertisements and it doesn't really cost that much. You know, they are sponsored ones, but then there's the oh, So you do the, you pay for the ads on Instagram because yeah, so we I, did that once for the podcast and it actually had really good uh, results. It has very good results. So I target a 15 mile radius of Brewster, New York, and that targets me into New Fairfield, Danbury, Connecticut, targets me into Ridgefield, and it targets me into all of Putnam County, New York, and a part of uh, Upper Westchester County, North Salem. And when we target that, we make sure we do like a $60 60 to $75 post for 30 days so that a sponsored targeted ad goes to that radius of people. And it worked already because I got a call today from a guy from North Salem. He wants me to go give him an estimate on drainage work. He said he went on our, you know, saw our ad on Facebook and went to our website. And I can track from the time that guy clicks that link and then it tracks that he went from that link to your website. So you could track it real time with the analytics from it. And that's what we want. We want somebody to click on it, get on our Facebook page, get to our Google page or get to our website. Because once they get to my Instagram, they're going to see your work and then they're going to know. They see the physical work and they say, wow, this is really nice because I'm a big believer in image. Uh, I do not want to show up to a property with rundown vehicles, equipment. I want to look. The best pulling in. Yeah, you're always really on and point some about people, that. Yeah. Some people think that's flashy, but I say it's not flashy. It's, it's your image. Want, yeah. It's image. I want to be the cleanest, most professional outfit coming to you to do a job for you. So that way you're satisfied and you call me back. That's how it, That's how we want to do it. Can I, can I ask a quick question as a uh, car enthusiast? <laughs> what is your truck of choice? Uh, so I'll give you a big, long answer on this. When I was younger, I loved Fords. So the first truck I bought was a Ford Super Duty. Um, I actually started the company with a Toyota Tacoma and, uh, that was the truck I had at the time. I loved Toyotas. Um, but it, it was too small. You couldn't put a plow on it. You couldn't trailer anything with it. So I had no choice. I had a, I had to splurge in 2007 when I decided to start this and get a Ford F-350 Super Duty. And that truck, constant transmission problems, uh, traded that truck in, um, got two new 2012 Super Duties and same thing, transmission problems. And in 2013, I said, I'm done with this. I traded two Fords in for my first Chevy. Got my first Chevy with the Duramax diesel, the Allison transmission. Loved it. Bought a GMC. Nice. That was the truck I drove that a few times. That was right, yeah, that yeah. was the truck you drove. Um, had those two, upgraded those two to two, a 2018 and a 2019 uh, Chevy Silverado Duramax. You know, traded those two in, 
Uh, actually, la- uh, March of 2020 for my first RAM pickup. And right now, currently, I'm having such issues with my RAM, which I love. I think it's the one of the most beautiful trucks on the market. Um, huge 14-inch touchscreen, but so many little problems. A lot of, uh, you know, issues with the emissions on that truck. So I'm going to look to probably get rid of that one early. I like to get a new pickup every three years, but I've had this truck two years. I've had a lot of problems with it. So Uh my truck of choice is, you know, either a Chevy Silverado or a GMC Sierra, heavy duty, Duramax diesel, Allison transmission. Um, It's just what works for me. Gotcha. Guys, guys that swear by Ford. I know guys in the area that have Fords, they swear by them. Other guys that have Rams, other guys that have Chevys, they swear by them. Everybody has their own little thing, but I'll, you know, learning what I know now, I will never ever switch back to anything else i will always have a gm truck for my truck um we we have a a, a kenworth which is a, a hook lift truck um that's one of those big you know 33 gvw trucks and we have a small little ram 5500 dump truck uh haven't had any issues with that ram dump truck Do you use just, that a lot still we Mar, that, that is so that is mario's truck that's mario's truck oh. he takes we still trailer with that thing we he drives we it home like you know we just we kill it we absolutely kill it okay so that's that's your main horse oh because if you're not really around you're not going to bring the yeah so if, if mario oh, i yeah. basically drive the kenworth every single day mario is always in the dump truck and my truck is you know to and from work here and so you're there. basically just bringing trailers to and from places yeah yeah like dumpsters i mean yeah. The dumpster truck really revolutionized the entire company because there's just so much we can do with it. You can just an entire it. stream of income that what you weren't getting. Before. One truck is seven trucks. That's what's amazing about that truck. Oh, yardage. If anybody, absolutely. If anybody is listening to this, that's a landscaper. The first thing you should buy is either a switch and go or a dumpster truck. And that's something that, you know, when you wish you knew then what you know now. So when I was trying to buy all my pickup trucks, I didn't get my first dump truck until 2015, and that was the current Ram dump truck that I have now. But instead of trying to get pickup trucks when I was younger, I should have been trying to get, you know, dump trucks. Instead of having to go, the amount of times we went and got three things of mulch or, you know, in the truck, you could have done that in the dump truck once. Oh yeah, thinking the, about it in terms of efficiency and cutting time. Yeah, with the hook lift truck, we can we can basically mulch, um, you know, three houses that are six to seven yards and mulch a house with, you know, one truck, fill it up in the morning, work till five o'clock, call it a day. And now that's, you know, now you're being productive, you know? Yeah. Because before the, I feel like I can remember the amount of times we had to stop things and go re up on material or, you know, it was terrible. Um, you know, and it's downtime because a lot of the times you're sitting there waiting and then now you got to sit and wait to, you know, be replenished with material and now you got to work late. And that's not, you know, that's just, that's all about growth in my industry. You know, you can't just get everything right away. I mean, it would be awesome if like I was, you know, if I inherited millions of dollars and I wanted to start a business, okay, great. (laughs) Go out and buy everything you have right away. We'll be very successful because you just, your your production will start right away. I feel like also though, while that point is true, there's just certain things that you have to learn by experience. Like someone, even regardless of the point you made before with being a young man and not wanting to hear people out, there are just some things at the end of the day that you can't actually like internalize and process and make like 
a principle in your life or a rule that you need to remember if you don't learn it by experience. Like some, you need to fuck up in some ways in your business or multiple businesses to just learn how to do a certain type of thing for a business. Absolutely. It's just tough. It's very, it's very, to be in business today, it's, it's very, very (laughs) tough. Like the problem I have now is with, you know, everything going on with materials and inflation. Yeah. Everything's going up. Um, you know, fuel right now for us, you know, diesel. Yeah, that's crazy. Today, Double, like triple, yeah. 39. And it was like two something, you know, last year. So I'm going to have to raise my rates to my customers again this at year. At least you're already at a reputable point because I feel like it would be harder to have to raise prices if you don't have any yeah, customer base. You know, when you, when you first start, you want to get every bit of work that you can. You want to take. So you'll take, yeah, cheaper, cheaper work and you'll get people yeah, deals. You never and stuff. say no. You never say no. You know, right now we actually, so we just lost a client, um, one of the commercial buildings we do, um, the, the guy, the property manager emailed me out of the blue and said, Hey, just want to let you know, we're, you know, we put the price out to bid and, you know, we received a more competitive, competitive bid. Um, you know, can you, uh, or will you be willing to, and you're at the point where you're saying no, we did, I emailed them right back and I said, honestly, I'm already um, giving you a deal in my eyes. It's not even a deal, John. It's, um, you know, been taking care of the place for nine years and you're, oh, not, okay. in business, you're not in business to go backwards. And yeah. I explained to him, haven't raised your rates in nine years. And with the current inflation, I can't, I can't lower your rate. There's, there's no way, you know, and if you're so busy, technically you could go take on work that would actually be paying you better, a better yeah. rate than what you were getting originally there. You were almost you know, by not raising the rate in nine years, you might've been doing yourself a disservice. No, I I was, but you know, we would always get the work, you know, he, he would always give us the work. We would always get, um, is this who I think it is? It's the national fire, uh, the national fire building. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, COVID threw a month, COVID threw a monkey wrench into everything. You know, when COVID first hit, that was the biggest adjustment because, you know, I never understood that, but we were working outside we weren't going near people, you know, we were shut down for three months. Yeah. You know, we, we did re- receive PPP, you know, draw number one and draw number two. And, you know, a lot of people are always like, Oh yeah, the PPP helped me. The PPP helped me. Well, the PPP really didn't help me because my guys were still getting paid. I used all of my PPP money strictly for payroll both times. The first time it happened, I was just paying guys to, you know, split wood and do things around my shop. PPP would have helped me in my industry more if we were busy and making money while I was paying the guys from the PPP. Do you get what I'm saying? It would have given you an advantage to just stack more money away. Yeah. Yes. I would have been able to have more of a surplus available so that, you know, COVID was two years long stretch. It's just finally you know, it's not out of the blue, out of the way, but it's, it's still here. It's something we have to learn to live with, but you know, we can see how things were before first now. And it was the biggest adjustment that I had because remember I started this business in a recession in 2007, 2008. Does it make you feel, does it feel any familiar or um, not at all? No, I just feel like things feel different now. Like, I think a general lot of scans, things but... are different. I think a lot of things are different. You know, not that people don't want to do certain things around the house. Like, I always look at my business as a luxury business because 
are you going to call me to mulch your house, uh, do a drainage job, you know, take down a tree? I'm kind of like a luxury. How much of a necessity is that stuff? Yeah. And that's why now, like when we are going to get our plumbing license, because I also, you know, before I started my company, I worked for a plumber since 2003 and always went back in the winter and worked for them. But now I was up for, you know, 14 or 15 years on a W-2 and then you need seven to nine years on a W-2 to receive your master plumbing license. So now with me getting my master plumbing license and offering another skilled trade for my business, 845, I think that's going to push us over the edge for a lot of things. Because now the revenue stream will be for that 12 months. I can focus on growing that while now putting Mario. Because now you have Mario, he can do yes. anything that now you could look, really look do. Hire it. more too. Yeah. You know, that's we look to expand, maybe bring someone onto the plumbing team and then to, you know, take some weight off you and then also bring on another landscaper. So you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. You know, the hardest thing in my, in my field is, is finding the workers. I can't, I cannot find the workers, you know, you know, your, the caliber of what you're looking for, I yeah, guess, because you, you want know. veterans or people that like are going to, or that are meticulous as well. Cause you, you want them you to stress want people that you can trust. And it's going to do a job like you would when you're not there. That's, you know, that's what you want. I have no problem paying people what they want. It's not about the hourly rate. If you, you can know, do it I right offer, and not cause me a headache, then. Yeah. You know, oh. I offer the hourly rates that people want. I offer the 401k. I offer the profit sharing. You know, we, we offer all that stuff. It's just, oh, you do. But since when did you start implementing that? We started that uh, two years ago. That's really good. You know, for, yeah, for that's really good. You Cause know, I feel like a lot of, uh, you know, smaller to mid-size trade companies don't offer that. You know, um, health insurance, you know, if, if guys need health insurance, like I, I think the only thing that I can do competitively is to give them like a health savings plan or like a HSA or something. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, honestly, like for me to give some, you're, you're not really big enough for like the cost per person to be well, worth no, it for can. your business to take it on. Right. You can, but the problem is, is the employee's deductible will be so high that why are we paying all that money per month when you don't... You're not getting any help because you have to fill that deductible anyway. The doctor and pay, the, pay it until it gets a certain deductible, whether that deductible yeah. is three, four, five, six, seven thousand dollars $7,000. You know, you don't, you don't know. Mm -hmm. It's pretty much only to help you in that time of like maybe a really big surgery or something. Yeah. I mean, and you remember when, we, when it was you, it was you, my brother, Scott, Josh, Mario, Marvin, sometimes Giovanni, his son, and there was yeah. Elmer. So there was seven guys at one point, you know, right now it's just, it's, it's me, Mario and my new guy, Billy and Billy's part-time because Billy has a full-time job during the day and he's off on Wednesday. So he comes all day with us Wednesday and Billy's been a breath of fresh air because Billy's young, energetic and, and he knows what he's doing. Work. Yeah. You know, a lot of people always used to say to me, oh, if you lose your employees, if you lose Mario, or if you lose your brother, you'll never survive. Well, my brother left to become a cop. He chased his dream. And everybody's like, oh, what are you going to do without Scotty? You know, business goes on. Yeah. The biggest employee I lost was when Marvin um, got sick and mm -hmm. had his stroke, and he still hasn't come back. Marvin had a stroke uh, right when COVID uh, took place. No, I remember that. Yeah. I've been checking up with well, him on Facebook. Yeah, non-COVID related. Um, and a lot of guys are like, always like, oh, if you lost your brother, you lost Mario. And I always used to laugh and say, no, if I lost Marvin, I'd probably get hurt the worst because Marvin was 
honestly one of the greatest employees I've had. He would get in the trenches and he would do all the work. He loved getting go home, get down out, and dirty. Get out of my way. Go. I'll do it. <laughs> Let me get this. Get, you know. Getting down yeah. and dirty. No, yeah, honestly, yeah. though, it was like definitely – it was like humbling at times to have conversations with them because they were – when when I felt like, you know, I'm tired, uh, I've been here for nine hours now because there were sometimes we'd work late all the time yeah and I would be like, you know, screw this. I want to go home, me not knowing <laughs> what I was up to at that point. And then I'd like have a conversation with Mario or Marvin and they'd say that they're sending like 70% of what they're making back to family to take care oh of them. God. And I'm like, damn, I need to shut up. Like yes. I need to have some, I feel like that was the first bit of perspective that I got before I went to college because Brewster doesn't have a whole lot of. You don't, you don't, that, you don't yeah. realize that until somebody actually says that to you, you know? And the, the thing is too, is like, if you remember, like if we worked late, I always made sure we stopped and had a lunch somewhere. You know, oh, yeah. And you'd get us food and yeah, get us like, drinks and everything. Yeah. You always, always you, gotta, you gotta do that. You can't just be that guy that just, you know, sits there and cracks the whip and just doesn't, you know, well, do little things here and there. You, know, you were also getting into it as well. So it was never like you were just... Oh, I was always pausing this around, but it's also like if you just those little things that you help the, your employee out with, that's, what's going to get you. It actually, you're going to get more out of doing those small things than you would if you didn't put them in. Always firm, firm believer, firm believer. That's, I I totally agree with that. I feel like it's easier to feel that on a smaller level, but when you have these big companies and like, you know, corporate life, it's just, it's brutal sometimes because depending on who's in charge, they just don't really care. Or it's yeah. like throughout the years of them moving up, they somehow lost what it felt like to be, you know, down at a lower level and just trying to take care of your family. I think one of the differences is like a job like that versus a job working for me is is in a corporate job. And I could be wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this is like my belief. There's always somebody who's younger and can do that job for less pay right? Yeah. There's always somebody looking to take that job. So with me, I'd rather have somebody and have them grow with me for 20 years. My my goal, uh, guys, is to have Mario retire for 845. Oh, yeah. I thought that was the plan. Yeah. You know, that's, I, mean, yeah. I don't want him to ever leave. I mean, if he chooses to leave, there's nothing I could do. Any, any employee that, that comes through my doors that wants to leave and they want to go, go. You know, they leave on good terms, they can always come back. There's no there's yeah. no hard feelings. Business is business and work is work. You got to do what's going to make you happy. But my goal is to have Mario retire, you know, for eight, four, five. That would I think that would be awesome. You know, I would love to see Mario, uh, you know, take a crew and go one way while I go another way. But part of that is, is, is investing again in getting some better employees to come in. You know, not that my employees aren't good. My employees are great. The the guys that I I currently have, I cannot, you know, I'm blessed to have them, but I need to find more help. And right now help is just, it's, it's hard to come by. Very, very hard to come by. I'm confused why in your industry, it's so hard to come by, to be honest. Nobody wants to do this work, John. Um, You know, even like the electricians and the plumbers out there and the carpenters and nobody wants to do the physical trades anymore. I, you know, I, I listened to the state of the union the other night and, you know, he wants to invest in America. And I, I was listening to what our president was saying. And the, the major thing, I looked at my wife in bed and I said, you know, this is great that we want to, you know, buy American, invest in America, but we want to, fix the infrastructure, right? His biggest thing right now is infrastructure, infrastructure. Well, 
who's going to fix it? If we don't have anyone to do that, you you need you need skilled labor to be trained and brought into it. As far as the you know construction trades, you need tradesmen, and right now tradesmen across the board of all construction industries are are short. Yeah, no, I I feel like that's also because well, not necessarily the shortage, but the training and bringing up. I feel like it's even a little bit more difficult this time because the world moves so fast. Ahmed, yeah, I was going to ask, let me know if you agree on this, but the world is moving at such a faster pace that like one day in the current day is almost like five days, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, because of technology, it's, it's allowed everything to connect and communicate so much faster that you don't have to wait between things. Information can make it one way to another and decisions can be made based off that information much quicker. Yeah, oh, I, you know what I, I mean. Yep. Yeah. I I also think that it, at least like in our current like New York suburbs, right? Um, I feel like the expectation for most people is that when you're in high school, you're going to take the SAT and then you're going to apply to college. And I feel like that, alongside the fact that there are now people that are like. 18 maybe younger than 18 that make money just doing something on their computer at home like you could be a youtube creator a podcaster a like tiktok person like whatever it is right and those are much less like much easier in terms of like labor right so i feel like that may be more appealing to younger to like our younger generation if that makes any sense Yeah, I agree. Because I think like when I look back when I was in high school, everybody was like, I remember the guidance counselors really pushing you to, oh, you got to go to college, you got to get into IT computers, this, this and that. That's all they pushed in early, uh, early to late 90s into the 2000s was you have to go to school, you have to be computer this computer that IBM was booming at the time. Yeah. Um, And that's what I remember. And now, like, we have gotten away from trades because I'm a perfect example of what trades can do for you. Because when I graduated high school, I went to college at night, I worked full time for a plumber, and I made, you know, $22, $28 an hour over the course of three or four years with raises and stuff like that. Um, and it was able to provide me with a really good income for a 40 hour a week job plus overtime. And it was, you know, gave me my health insurance, uh, gave me retirement fund. And I went to school three, two to three nights a week. It it was great. Yeah. Yeah. I I think, you know, and I graduated with no college debt. I feel like that's, well, like I said before, it's really for two reasons. One, well, before I say all that, I mean, the, you know, like the inferences that they were making about computers having such high priority. I mean, yes, they were right. But at the same time, like you said, everyone can't be an engineer. Everyone can't be a software developer because then yeah. the all of society would fall apart. But I mean, obviously, they want people to be ready for what the next layer of society is going to be so they could fill those jobs and, you know, keep the country moving forward. But it's also about the, you know, the school loans, man. Like that is just such a serious problem at this point. And I feel like I need to, 
personally, I really think that something needs to happen about it. Not sure if it will. I think it'll get worse before it gets better. But, you know, of course, like you just said, you had no student loans and you had a job and you had retirement already at that age. Other people, even multiple years after you, basically start at zero or they start at negative 100,000 or somewhere in between. You know what I mean? John, even a lot of my friends... Um, still are paying off loans. No, I know exactly. Paying off loans, and when they graduated college, they come and help me out here and there. Yeah, because they couldn't even find a job or get into a job. Well, because that, during your time, it was also just like fucked it was up. Just crazy. Yeah, but I, I mean, think, I think the country has just gotten away from what made this country absolutely amazing. You know, and I'm not saying anybody that goes to work in a suit is not doing the country well and supporting our country and you know pushing technology forward. That's not what I'm saying. You're just Showing the side that might not get enough attention right now. In the this side that doesn't yeah. get enough attention is the, the men and women who go out every day and bust their knuckles, you know, turning wrenches, yep. welding pipe, um, you know, installing a faucet, uh, putting together your breaker panel to have electric in your house. You know, we're going to be at a point where, <clears throat> and, and, you know, the amount of money you can make per hour now as an entry level plumber uh, is what you're probably making as an entry level engineer. Absolutely. It's not, it's not that much different. I, I looked at the numbers too. Yeah. You can't find anybody. And also, I mean, the thing that I was kind of saying before is when you're at that point, when you're young and you have some money saved and you're being responsible and you're learning how to be an adult earlier. Yeah. It, when you're when you have a safety net and you're calm, you're not in that fear mode. Your brain isn't in fear. Like it's not thinking in a um survival instinct. a survival mindset. Yes. It's thinking with yeah. an abundance mindset. Hey, I have a little bit extra. Let me look at this. Let me look into this new thing. I'm not so strapped for cash. Let me try a new hobby. That's how people grow and like grow outside of the system and realize there's a lot more to it. When you're constantly in survival mode, you're stuck in that day-to-day of just worrying about how you're going to get your next whatever meal, food, money, rent. I totally agree with you. you and know, you know, starting someone out minus 50K down once I get out of college. You're starting, you're starting completely out. You're, you're completely in a negative when you first start out of that. And that's, that's You have to crawl yourself out of a hole. And then but that's also when you're 24. What if you go to med school? Now you're 28, 30. Then you start a family and then you buy a house. Then you basically spend the rest of your life crawling back out of debt that you got into within the, you know what I'm saying? This is how it goes for a lot of people. And I feel like it's just, if we really want to rebuild America, we're going to have to get over this idea of like that extra bit of profit or extra bit of money for the wrong reasons is not actually good for the country or good for the right people. That greed needs to like disappear or I don't think we'll ever reach like the full potential that we have, you know? Yeah. I don't don't think the greed's ever going to leave. I mean, it's never going to leave, but I mean... Do you think know. that if college was like, say public schools were free and private schools were like, were significantly cheaper. Do you think that the quality of education of college education would go down or no? Because I feel like then you'd have like some, like, like the, the school needs to pay like the, the professors, the faculty, all of that. Yeah. But the, the money's I mean, not I, really I, like like a lot. I don't know. Obviously, I'm not familiar with like the books of every school, so I don't know the exact numbers. But I know that what they're doing can be done on a lot less. The numbers are just pumped up, so then the federal government has to issue you a loan, which then you could be tied to until you pay off, and you're getting seven to eleven percent interest on that. That's horrible. 
Yeah, no student student loans are, in my opinion, student one, of, one of the one of the biggest weaknesses. What do you say? I said student loans shouldn't have an interest rate. I can't believe they're, they're they, John. You just said they're seven percent. I had one that was seven point four percent. I sold it off before it could even gain any interest. But like, that's why they spend you spend the rest of your life paying it off. It's not because it's a two or three percent loan, and then you could put money in the market and you know easily pay it off. Yeah. It's because they're they're going they're matching or going higher than gains of the actual market every year. So like you, you no matter what you do, unless you're doing something that generates a lot of money, you can't pay it off. <laughs> it's just a game you're you're destined to lose. And then you you also get yearly raises that are less than inflation, blah 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 blah. And then all of a sudden you find yourself in a just deep in a hole. It's yeah, fucked up. Awesome. Like it's just you know and. I feel like at the same time, it's not like it was any easier for you starting your own business. It was even more difficult. So, you know, it's kind of like the same, but I just didn't have, you know, you had your own different set of challenges behind me, you know, (laughs) with a, with a student loan. Um, you know, I've had family and friends help me out here and there. Um, but you were renting too and living on your own for a while, right? When did you move out? Yeah, I was when I first started, I was renting. And then uh, the family I was renting the basement off of, they moved to Florida. So I moved out, went back home uh, for a year and then found uh, that apartment in, you know, North Salem. And I was there for seven or eight years before I bought my first house. Congrats. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, bought the house in December of 2017. Um, still here. You know, got married in 2019. And baby now, you know, Carter is born June 9th. Um, he's eight months. He'll be nine months this month on the 9th. And boy, that changes, you know, he's the next, baby yeah. changes your perspective. The minute he, he or she takes their first breath, man. And it has humbled me in a way that first off, women are way stronger than men in every aspect after watching him. <laughs> oh yeah. Be yeah. Born. <laughs> we are uh, us guys. We're, we're, yeah, we suck. We're pussy. We're yeah. Pussy. We're pussy. Yeah, we're pussy. Yeah, we're what it comes down to. Um, but you know, having to provide for someone else who can't, you know, go to the bathroom yet on their own and you got to put every ounce of food in them, you know, and just watch them go from not saying anything and, then all of a sudden there's mama, dad, dad, and then all of a sudden they're crawling. And then all of a sudden they're lifting themselves up and climbing. And then it's, I feel like it really shows you how, how fast time moves, especially because all of that change happened so fast. I always say to my wife, Alyssa, I say, what happened to the little baby we brought home from the hospital? He barely fit in the car seat. And now he's just a monster. He's 23 and a half pounds. You know, he's just a monster. I love it. Future he Division loves- One basketball player oh, for he's Duke. The next, he's John Shires. I, I already Instagram. <laughs> so I Instagram messaged John Shire the other day with his Duke shirt on and his basketball. And I said, John, I just want to let you introduce you to Carter Blaze Zicalella. He's your next shooting guard. <laughs> hoping he sees it and answers me because yeah. it's actually kind of funny. I'll text you the thing I sent to him, John. You're going to die laughing. Yeah, let me see. I am. I'm just a goofball, but you know. But look, my that's another thing too, is like my son, any future kids I have, they can do whatever they want. Whatever they choose to with their, their life, they don't have to come and work for me, take over my business. I don't need, you know, I'll run this business as long as I can. It's my passion. It's my, you know, it's what my- keeps you going, yeah. Yeah. 
keeps us going, puts food on the table, you know. Um, but I won't force that on anybody because that's the same thing. I want my kids to choose what college they want to go to. If I'm in the position to help them out with college, I will. If I'm in a position to help them out with their first vehicle, I will. You know, things that I couldn't have growing up, um, I want to always make sure that I can provide for my children without making them spoiled brats. You know, I also want to teach them the value of a dollar, hard work ethic. Like my wife is a very, very hard worker. I, I love her so much. I can't even tell you, you know, the sacrifices she has made, you know, just pushing forward in her job, you know, what she does on a daily basis. She not only helping provide for the kid, but, you know, getting up, you know, two hours earlier in the morning, hopping online, doing what she has to do for her current job. Um, then when Carter gets up in the morning, help me with him in the morning. And then the days Carter goes to the babysitter, you know, I drive him over, I go to work. And then I, like I said earlier, I've been home with him now, just watching him hanging out. Um, just the sacrifices my wife makes and how hard she works. And it's just unbelievable. I have a, a Jedi for a partner. Um, <laughs> I love her to death. She's beautiful, strong willed. Um, I'm, I'm just a lucky guy and anything we, you know, my wife and I, we want to, we want to pass those traits and those characteristics on to all of our kids, you know, just like you, John, just like your dad passed to you, work hard, set a goal, you know, not to say that family can't help. Sometimes everybody always needs help, but you know, whatever they want to do, we want to push them forward. And now hearing, you know, what you went through with student loans and stuff like that, that scares the living, you know, bejesus out of me. Um, cause it's not like a mortgage payment, you know, mortgage, you get your mortgage 15 years, whatever, you know, you pay it off and it ends, you know, the student loans. I, I think that's, you, you know, you, you know, hit, you hit something there because I was, I was, uh, I don't, this can kind of lead us into the talking about investments and stuff, but I was going to say, uh, uh, college fund, <laughs> you got to get a little, little brokerage account and just throw some money in there. We started one for him already. Yeah. Here he has, you know, he has an account. Um, good. I forgot what he's got in it, but you know, if you think about it, you got, yeah, you got seven, you got 17 years to get that thing ready. Yeah. You know, 17 years. And it's actually funny. Cause, uh, the other day, my, my change jar, I have a old New York Yankee popcorn bottle that, you know, years ago, remember these sell like the, the popcorn in the or, bottle? Yeah, yeah. It was huge. The bottle's probably like, you know, three feet tall, you know, it's big. Yeah. Yeah. It's filled to the top with change. So I went on Amazon, I bought a coin separator and rolled yeah. you know, 900 and something dollars in change. Oh, <laughs> and I went to the bank and I just said, Hey, can I put it in Carter's bank account? And the lady was laughing and she goes, how long did you have this? I said, I think about three or four years it took to collect that, but it's amazing how much change adds up. And we put 900 and I think $31 in his account for college. You know, just people don't realize 250 bucks a month, 300 bucks a month, you know, whatever you could spare when you're, you know, du dual income household or single income household. Yeah. Yeah. It adds up to a few million by the end. If you start at my age, you know, like it's, yeah. it's a lot more than people realize and especially how expensive it is now to retire and everything. It's something we all need to do, but yeah. What else? You you have a retirement account, you said, when you started working plumbing, or do you still have that? Yeah, or you just so have I, it have a, I have one through my business and then yeah. one set up personally. Um, I have the 401k profit sharing plan from my business uh, for myself. And then I've always had a 
separate, uh, you know, Roth um, and uh, traditional IRA uh, personally. Gotcha. Good. We always put what we can um, each month. However, we're doing, um, you know, each month, that's what I put in. Um, You know, the biggest thing for me is, is being self-employed, you know, for me to take a salary, the way I look at it is I take a very low salary because the more I take out, the more tax I have to yep. pay. Yep. So and I'm you can just take royalties, right? Or whatever it's called. Um, yeah. But disbursements. It's like, it's like disbursements. Yeah. Distributions and stuff. Distributions. Um, yeah. Uh, the thing is, is like for me to bump my salary, like to pay myself, let's say a hundred thousand dollars a year to me, that's like ridiculous because I'm going to pay, what is it? 40 something percent back to, you know, in taxes, I'm taxed on the money that the business makes, and then I have sales tax on it. So why would I, you know, take a gigantic salary out, you know, take what I can and, you know, pump as much as I can. I think by, I'm only allowed to do 18,000 a year. In yeah. For the max, 401k. My 401k. So I always make sure I set my payroll to make sure I always put that max in and um you know pay myself small you know during the week whatever the guys make the guys make that's no big deal that's their you You gotta pay them but yeah you is different yeah and then what how do you take money out of the business then how do i take money like if you want to take money outside of your salary like to pay for anything else what do you do you just put on i'll always just take it as payroll okay Um, oh okay you know, a lot of my expenses are all business anyway. The only personal expenses I have are like the house and stuff. Yeah. So I guess my expenses are business related anyway. You're going the route of I'm going to try to take the least amount as possible every week. Yeah. You know, it's tough enough, but well, because that's actually, better you know, look at it. 10 or 15 years down the line when, you know, because the way I looked at it too is like, I never know when I'm going to get paid from customers. Um, any customers that pay credit card, they get charged right away. Um, but you never know when a check's going to come in. You always got to make sure you have cash to pay your employees first. That's first and foremost. Secondly, then your bills. You know, um, for me, I know like uh, I have a couple things coming off the books. Um, my Kenworth is coming off the books that we pay on per month in uh, two, two and a half years. Um, current truck I have two, two and a half years. A lot of things will be coming off the books. And it's not that I want to look for write-offs, but that's when I think like I'll, I don't need to get any bigger than I am right now. If I'm able to get more contracts, more work and more employees, I'll assess the situation vehicle wise. But I'm at a point right now in business where I don't have to continually invest in the business itself. I'm kind of at that point where I'm content where I am. The next step for me, uh, definitely is, uh, you know, doing a triaxle dump truck. Um, that's probably the next thing. But like, if I don't want to do that, I don't have to do that. I can stay currently constructed yeah. and have the assets that I have right now work for me for the next 10 years and just put away money. I think that's, yeah. And I mean, it, then at that point, it's up to you. You're just at like an upkeep phase. And if you want to grow anything out, like the plumbing, like you said, you could do yeah, that. It's, been very, it's very difficult to get going. Like once you get going and you got to have all these assets, like I'm metal rich. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like your, your entire net worth is in your business assets yeah. and the machines. Yeah. You know, and that's another thing too. Like if you think about it, like we own the excavator, we own, I own every piece of equipment I have. I own every trailer. You got some equity in, no loans on in it. it now. Yeah. You know, you had to get loans in the beginning, but like, remember, if you ever have to get a business loan, if there's anything you can get 0%, like if you start your, you know, LLC with that and you want to get a car and you want to write your car off, you know, put it in the business, but make sure it's 0%. There's no reason to get a car that's not 0%. Yeah. 
even if there's even if it's 36 months zero percent you you know yes. always, always get anything you can zero percent of course um that's money saved on theirs yeah you know it's just money it's just that's the saved. difference that that makes up well, because people say, hey, I'll spend this extra little bit here and I'll spend this extra little bit there. When you're talking about a business and a high frequency and uh, like high number of transactions, that little bit of cut costs actually makes a difference at the end. Yeah. But at the same time, you don't want to skimp or no. go on bad product or anything. So I guess you've no. got to make that decision. Like, I don't know. I guess what, as, as we try to wrap this up in a little bit, what... um. What's one thing you would give to someone that's trying to start up a business in a trade? Hmm. One thing. Like what, what's the first thing you would do now if you were to start a business or the same type of business? Now, if I was starting a whole other business is it's tough because you got to do things yourself to get it going. And when you're alone and it's just you, it's very difficult. You know, you're the secretary, you're the office help, you're the labor, and then you're, you know, you're everything. So the one thing I would give to advice for somebody who's starting a business like mine or any business in general is make sure you have some capital saved up. Um, you have to start somewhere. And the biggest thing to me was when I was asking my family for their advice to say, hey, I think I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to start my own. A lot of my family in the beginning, because we were in a recession in 08, told me, don't do it. You're foolish. You have a great job with the company you're working for. Don't do it. Don't do it. I had one person that was behind me, and that was my grandfather. My papa was completely behind me, and he said, screw it. You know what, Vincent? What's the worst thing that happens? You fail. So my advice would be, if you're going to do it, and it's in your mind, and you have a goal, set your goal, just do it. Figure out a way. Because if I can figure out a way over the last 15 years, anybody can figure out a way. It's it's basically like learn on the fly, do it, and just achieve it. That's it. I think it's, it's just a persistence point. to not stop because yep. just pe- like there sports. people either quit and out. they don't do it or you keep going and it eventually gets done. People if don't realize that. Can't procrastinate. The, the thing that really clicked it all for me was when I realized that I used to be really afraid to fail. I don't even remember if you noticed, but when I would work for you, every mistake I would make, I would really beat myself up about it. And I would like get upset all the time because that's what I was taught in the school. Well, yeah, because the schooling system kind of teaches you that. And I like to be the best or I like to at least try to be the best at things. That's just how I am. And whenever I wouldn't make the mark or wouldn't meet the standard, I would always really beat myself up. But then I realized that failure is actually a good thing because it means that you're learning. If you're not failing at all, things aren't hard enough for you. So then uh, I realized that, you know, we need to embrace failure. So I feel like the same thing, what you were just saying, you got to, you can't be afraid to fail. I failed that throughout my whole entire life. You you failed throughout your career. It's just that you were able to pick yourself up, brush yourself off and keep going. And that's what led to you having something. Yeah. The biggest thing from failure is you learn from your mistake. You want to correct your mistakes so that it doesn't happen again. There's so many things I do now that I've learned from, you know, 10, 12 years ago that I, I know not to do. You know, I perfect example was, you know, years ago, if, if um, cash flow problems, what I used to do is I was a big believer of credit card bill came in, whatever you used that month, you pay that bill off in full. 
Well, sometimes I'd shoot myself in the foot because I wouldn't look at my accounts receivable and say, what was my aging summary and see who owed what at one point. And I would say, oh, well, I got to pay Capital One $2,000 this month and I got 5800 in my operating account. I would just pay it. And then all of a sudden, none of my accounts would come in. I'm looking for money. And I'd be like, I got no money to even go get fuel. Yes, to- today. You're saying you realize that you could have leveraged debt a little bit more? Yes. You have to learn to always know your numbers, know who owes you, know what's outstanding, know what is 30, 60, 90 days overdue. Make sure you're on top of those people to get it. But then know what's on your daily rate and your your daily daily balance in your operating account. know exactly how much you're spending in your credit cards. And what's great now with the technology is, you know, you just hop on your phone, hit on your app. And I check my, I I check my credit cards every single day. I check my credit score every single day. It used to be a thing. I was just having this conversation. You weren't allowed to check your credit score. And if you did, it would go down. Like what the fuck? Now you can, I'll check my credit score 800 times. Nothing will happen to check my credit score three, four times a day just to check it. Just to see. Yeah. yeah. Cause I've had my identity stolen. I've had, I remember that. Yeah. Remember when Chase, they, somebody went on, quick paid, my whole account gone, and then they change it. They give me all new account numbers only to do it again. I mean, it was, that yeah, was wow. I remember that. That was crazy. Uh, that I was That's curious why. how you got through because you were saying that some of the insurance was taking a long time to come back. It was crazy. Absolutely but, crazy. See, I mean, you made it through that too. I just feel like, yeah, you got to – one thing that I would say is you got to be able to embrace struggle if you want to be on your own. That's I mean, really- John, there's nights where I lay in bed and you're just up anxious and shit, point, right? To this day, to yeah. this day, I'm, I'm, I can't sleep sometimes because my wheels will start spinning and my head's turning yep. and I'm like staring at the ceiling like, all right, I got this job coming up. I know I have to lay out X amount of money. I'm going to have to have payroll at this amount of money for the week and I'm owed this and I have to pay this person and this vendor and this, that. And I'm like, how the hell am I going to Yeah, but I also feel like at the end of the day, you'd rather do that though than work for someone else. And I think that's why you are where you are. I mean, I could because, work for someone uh, else. Well, know. I'm saying full time and you you have, but I feel like, you know, the point I'm trying to make is like yeah. owning your own thing and having something that's yours it makes you feel like you have a purpose to get up. So that's why it's worth it to do those things and take that extra headache. And Absolutely. yeah, I have the same thing even now. Sometimes when I'm looking at my investments or like I'm managing my trades and I won't be able to sleep and I'll just pull an all nighter just because I'm not going to waste that energy at this point. I'm at such a growth phase where I'm not trying to waste a single minute. If I have a boost of like creativity or something comes to mind, I'm getting up out of bed. I don't care. I'll, I'll make up the time the next day. So I definitely feel that. But at this, it, it went from, damn, I got to get up and do something right now to, all right, let me get up. Let me get to work. Like there's shit to be done. Always. So there's always, there's always something in my mind. Like throughout the day, I, I think about everything, um, what's coming up, you know, f- right now it's spring phone starting to ring. I mean, I got like 40 to 50 work tickets already drawn up for yeah. when ready to start. I mean, spring cleaning, just start rocking and rolling real fast. You know, it's just, it's, it is what it is. I don't know. And I also feel like through all that struggle, it's way more worth it when you can sit down at the end of the day and realize you built it. Like what you made and what you have now is all from literally, like you just said, nothing at one point. I look back and I say, I say two things. How the hell did I do what I did? Make it through that. 
<laughs> yeah. And then like, I look at all of my equipment now, my employees, where we're at. And I say, how the hell uh, still, how the hell did we do it? Yeah. And it's just, it's a vision. And I had a vision and my vision was to just have what we, where we are right now is what I dreamed about. Yeah. And there's nothing more satisfying than that. And I'm at the point, like I said earlier, where I could stay as I'm currently constructed, or I can just blow it up and invest more in the company. Yeah. But not having Carter and planning a second kid, that's a risk that I can't take yet. You know what I mean? Like yep, when yep. you have a kid, I'm at the point in my life where I can't just take that risk. I'm very lucky because I started this business and took such risks in the beginning. I was I was like such a risk taker. Well, because um, you were even telling me so many stories. There were times where like you were just doing it and winging it and it just would work itself out. Yeah, the best story I ever tell everybody was when Mario came full time, Mario wanted to start doing excavation work. So we started renting equipment. Oh yeah. My accountant grabbed me. It was like, uh, and he's like, Winnie, what are you doing? Do you know how much you spent in rental fees this year for the excavator that you rent? I said, no. <laughs> and he looked at me and he took the sheet of paper and he actually hit me across my shoulder. And he goes, go out tomorrow and go buy the two machines you need. I said, there's no way I can afford that. He goes, Vinny, you spent $39, $39,000 plus this year in renting equipment. That $39,000 could have been in your pocket or more if you owned the machine. Well, it's, it's restructuring the way you think too, because of the way that we're taught to not get in debt, that you try to avoid it unless it's yeah. like a cost of a home or a car or something that you supposedly need or education. I'll never forget it. People don't realize yeah. that debt is good when you use it for good. You know, like yeah. in certain ways, like every day of the week, you doing what you could to get ownership and equity in the excavator initially before renting would have been a better decision. I know maybe you maybe didn't have the down payment money or something like that, but it's always better to it wasn't get equity. Or, it was, we were, pay, I was paying those weekly rentals every time we took that thing out. Well, yeah, because then you were getting a lot more jobs. Flow. Yeah. You're killing it. And that's what my accountant was explaining to me. You're killing your cash flow. You're you're paying a company to rent, where you're basically well, you paying because that, you finance that excavator. You're renting it off yourself, basically. Is how you have to look at it. Yeah, but at least you're getting equity in it at the same rate. You're you're getting ownership yeah. of it. And when and you're renting you something, you don't get nothing out of it. The way he told me was, he was like, "I don't care how much it is. Go buy the two pieces of equipment you need." Mario was in Florida on vacation. My brother and I went over to Milford, Kubota, and I signed my life away for $98,500. And I left that place looking at my brother. We went down the road to the bar. It was called, it was first and 10 at the time. I got a beer and a burger and I looked at my brother and I go, what the F did I just do? And he was just laughing at me. He was just, he was just smiling at me, you know, just completely laughing at me like, oh, well, you know, whatever. But it was the best thing because, so that was a 0% loan for 66 months. My payment was like 1500 and change. So now, like you just said earlier, using debt, good. If I was renting those two pieces of equipment for 4,000 a week, 4,000 a month, whatever, guess what? 12 months out of the year, 1500 a month. If that machine goes out for one job, a month, your note is paid for. 
yep. any other day that it goes out, Trade it's probably in your pocket. And that's how my accountant, you know, sold it to me. That's how he Yeah, because it. then every time you rented it, it, it when you rented it every time you did that, you'd pretty much just be slicing your profit. Yeah. We got or, so busy uh, with that machine. I remember I paid that loan off in full actually two and a half years before completion. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That's we, how we, busy we, we were using it all the time. Uh, anytime time. we could, we would. Yeah. Every single day. Remember when we would do all those mulching jobs where like you'd yeah. be like, Oh my god, we're humping all this mulch across and now we just, you know, bring the hook lift, bring the excavator, claw it out, put it on the thing, rake it out, done yeah. in like thirty five minutes. Oh yeah. Remember the first day you worked for me, it was like hundred and two degrees, we were dying. Or that the time we were doing NNS in the front and we did all the mulch oh there God. and that was horrible. And then I've seen – well, even when we had the dump truck and we would pull the dump truck right up to the side and like shovel it into the wheelbarrows right there, even that was so much easier. But now I feel like with the dump truck, I don't know if you could maneuver in that parking lot, but nope. having that and then the yeah. – It's just unbelievable. Yeah. Like just to, because then you know. you're dumping way more. People don't have to use the wheelbarrows and yeah. – or to the same extent. Yeah, Crazy crazy yeah it's awesome. no it's been really good to even for the past you know handful of years from a distance but see how it's gone because i feel like the first summer i came on that was like the back end of the like first phase of your company and then when i came on and you started expanding and taking on more work and buying the equipment yourself that's when things started to really blow up yeah but even then even since i left and uh, you know with school and my career. That's when you got the the Kenworth. Yeah, the Kenworth changed everything. Completely, completely changed it's, the whole. It's you opening know. yourself up to a different plethora of jobs that you couldn't have Absolutely. before. And usually the ones that require you to have that big equipment have a bigger price tag. Absolutely. Yeah. Like when you, when wood want. gets busy, when you were cutting wood too, oh. good profit margins there. Is great, you know. And then this year, actually, last year, um, you know, needed another write-off. I actually bought a firewood processor, firewood processor with a sixteen-foot conveyor. So now you basically put one log on a processor, you hit a button, and it just shoots eight, you know, splits one log into eight pieces. Oh yeah, and then did, you made a little thing conveyor. to catch it, right? Yep, drops it in a conveyor, sends it up the conveyor, and piles it sixteen feet high. We could split. So just you know, I I charge two twenty five for a cord of firewood. We used to split four to six cords in a day. Now we can do twenty five to thirty cords in one day. Production like went up three four hundred percent. that's great. Now you're making money. I'm saying at this point, even if you don't necessarily expand your business, just making these small changes here and there, that's also gonna. Just put more money in your pocket as well. Costs, basically. I, yeah, I think the change in my business is if you can't find the physical help of the employee, you, you can automate some of that. Things that are automated to help you. Yep. And I think that's that's what you have to. That's what I have to watch in the next two to three years. If I can't find the help, I have to get things that are going to make my life easier, not break my back not break anybody else that works for me back. We have to invest in more equipment to just automate things. And I think that's what I have to watch if if I cannot find the help. Got it. Yeah. Uh, also, we're in the perfect time for that right now. We're in the age of automation. So, yeah. I mean, 
with your jobs, it might be a little more difficult because it's not just something going on in the background of a computer, but. Yeah, it might be a little bit different, but look, it's, it's always every day in business, every day in life is a learning experience. What did I learn today? What did I do today? You know, that's, that's what it, that's what it is, you know, and that's what you have to, you know, that's how I'm seeing it because now that I have a son, every day is a learning day for him. Every day you know, I have to watch what I say now. I can't be joking around like I normally do. My <laughs> wife is still yeah. slapping me, you know, when I slip and do things. She's like, you know, Vinny, you got to stop with some of the stuff you say. You know, even when we're laying in bed and I'm looking through the pictures I took of him in the day and I'm like, you know, look at this little, you know, guy, you know, and I'm not, you know what I'm saying, John, yeah. and I can't yeah. really say because I got to be nice. But my wife's like, you better stop with that because, you know, if you <laughs> If he goes to school the first day and says that I'm just calling them to call you and you're going there, I'm not going there. <laughs> well, yeah, it's just, you got to think about everything twice now. Yeah. Well, like we said before, you can't turn your brain off, but I mean, it's also the most rewarding thing. I feel like it's really good that you get to be home also as a father. You know, that's, that's something that really doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, you know, the last like three or four months have been awesome. Like, you know, normally we always go out. I always go out every winter. And this was the first year I didn't really push for work in the winter just to be home to, you know, yeah. help out my wife. Well, you'll never out. get those years back. So now you no. have them. And all the days, like during the day, it's not like you just came home at night and put your kid to sleep. Like you got all those days in. That's, that's precious I mean, time. Because he wakes up in his crib, you know, whether he peed himself or pooped himself and, you know, this morning was an explosion diaper all over the thing. But it's funny because every time you go in his room, you know, Jeet, our dog, goes in first and you hear him, you know, on the thing. <laughs> He's like laughing at Jeet. And then you go and turn the light on. And there he is sitting up in his crib just smiling at you like, you know, he, 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 you know, like the little team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just the funniest thing. And he's a good boy. He's always happy. He's always smiling. I mean, he's the greatest thing that I think has ever happened to my wife and I. Um, it's just amazing. And just watching that, watching that happen, you know, like we said earlier, giving birth, having him here, you know, to now, it's just, it's, un it's unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. I feel like it reminds you of like the greater purpose of life. I, I, I agree. You know, yeah, like why we're here. Why we're here you know, obligations you have as a species and to your community and country. And just, we were, just we were talking about earlier, you know, every day is a learning experience. And from, you know, if you take that and you apply it to my son, it's the same thing. Every day we're on this planet, we learn something, whether we like it or not. Every day we're interacting with people. Every day we're doing something new or different, or some of us obviously are just sitting, you know, on our butts and play call of duty all day. You know, there's still people that do that, but you know, the people that go out, you know, have a goal, you know, push for that goal, do that goal. It's, you know, everything I've ever put my mind to, I've done, you know, coaching basketball, wanting to become, you know, in our local high school and try to take that on starting an AAU program, you know, with my other friend, Mike Mahoney, you know, starting the 845 Basketball Academy when we did that with, you yeah, know, that was fun. and Jack, that was amazing. You know, everything we've ever done, like the biggest thing I always want is like, you know, from coaching, being an employer, being a boss, you, you know, you just try to help and just be there for people. 
that, you know, that's a, the biggest thing I'd say is helping being there for people and having, you know, the wisdom, you know, push that wisdom on people. Don't be thick headed like young Vinny. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's what I always try to do now as I've gotten older, I've changed a lot in the last five years. And especially now yep. the last eight months because of my son, you know, just growth. Yeah. I was going to say, it's been good to watch you grow up too a little bit. Cause I, even when we started, you know, hanging around or yeah. I was coming to your practices, you were late twenties, early thirties. Yeah, But do you remember how crazy I was? Well, that's what I'm saying. So it, as much as you were able to watch me grow from like a really, you know, pivotal age, I still got to see you grow too. And it's been pretty interesting. I mean, if Carter wants to go the basketball route, I kind of feel bad for him because I'm going to, it's going to be a rough, rough ride with all the people, you and all the people that you know, that are going to, that would help out in the process. I can't wait to get John Cav. I I hope he wants basketball because I'll put a whole little team together of him him and his friends. and just. That's what my dad did. Oh, my dad got a good team of kids and we played for, you know, six years together and we traveled and learned how to play for real. And that was, that was the best thing that came out of my childhood. So if he ends up wanting to play basketball, you got to do that because he wants to do hockey. Yeah. I feel like you'll want to dive into that with him. Anything, anything, you know, anything to be there. That's all. Anything. Ahmed, you got any uh, last questions? I think this would be a good place to wrap it up. Yeah, came no, full circle. I, I feel like uh, Vin, Vinny, you are you are made to do this, man. You you put, you put on a great performance for us. So thank you so much for coming on. You got to get on more podcasts. Come on, on anytime. I'll do it once a month if you want. We could do. A, I suggest this to literally everyone that comes on because we just want to make content. You got a topic you want to talk about, or even a specific thing, we can make a whole episode about it. So seriously, yeah. whenever you want, you got something that comes to mind, hit me up. We could Any, run dude, it back. Any topic you want to put on, I'll, I'll you want to do maybe a post March Madness. I know you like college basketball. We can do that. Like literally anything comes to dude, mind. Anything, let me know. We'll figure it out. I mean, you know, you know I, me, I'm a Duke guy, and I'm a little upset that you know Coach K's last game is Saturday. It's going to be pretty, uh, pretty crazy to watch. You know. I went to Cameron uh, yeah, you did. after my wedding and it was, uh, that was the first time ever for a game, you know, spent the weekend down there with my brother and it was amazing. I mean, watching that atmosphere down there in Duke alone was just absolutely phenomenal. You know, I'm a Yankee fan. I went to Jeter's last game, you know, had season tickets, you know, didn't, didn't renew when COVID hit, but have always gone. My wife and I always go, we can't wait to take Carter to his first Yankee game. But like, I've been to a lot of sporting events in my life. Yeah. And, you're gonna love bringing it to games. Not, not that you know, not that you know. Jeter's last game was the the best I've ever been to, but like you know, Knicks games, you know, things like that. But being at Cameron Indoor Stadium for the first time and being second row in the student section, basically on the floor, being a Cameron crazy was one of the craziest things I think I've ever been to in my life. I could talk for two hours on that night alone. <laughs> we should. I'm down. I really could. I really could. It was just unbelievable. Just but just to see him retiring now is just uh it's gonna be weird next year seeing John. Well that was an era. That was a He's complete era. Hey. Like think about that. Yeah. Coach, no Coach K next year. It's unbelievable. I only knew college basketball with him in it, so if that says anything. Right? It's nuts. Uh thanks for taking the time now. I know you got plenty of shit going on. Other things you could be doing right now, but I think that was a really good episode. Should definitely give some stuff to the audience that they could pick up on and learn from. That's the purpose. Anything, so. anything, Ahmed, you want to wrap us up? Sure. 
Um, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Black Box Podcast. No A in the Black. You could find us on TikTok at Black Box Podcast. There is an A in the Black on TikTok. You could email us for any reason that you may want to uh, contact me or John. Uh, blackboxsubmission at gmail.com. Thank you again, Vinny, for coming on. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and goodbye. See ya.